Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Politz has written a must-read. The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide. Food and Beverage Magazine Live, bringing food and beverage to life. Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Politz has written a must-read. The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Books a Million, or wherever fine books are sold. That was weird. I can't even hear you. Jennifer, you're muted. I'm not Carol Burnett, but you're muted. There you go. Today is hold on a minute. the hold on day. A minute. Jennifer, I don't know what just happened with the intro, but I'm a little embarrassed because I've got like, I'm starstruck right now, but I want to run the intro because I feel like he needs to see it. So do you mind? I love our intro. I'm doing the I'm intro, gonna... Gracie. Here it goes. Food and Beverage Magazine Live, bringing food and beverage to life with your hosts, James Beard Award winner Jennifer English and Food and Beverage Magazine publisher Michael Politz. Featuring leaders in the hospitality, branded food and beverage, and CPG industries, many of whom are Jennifer and Michael's friends in the business. For an informal and informative conversation where friends in the business share the latest intel, ideas, and best practices. Live, juicy insights from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread drinkers, food lakers, clavers, foods, and brands of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts, Jennifer English and Michael Pulitz. Gucci, 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 I had to have him see it. That's all I'm saying. I just had to have Today him. is the day. We've been waiting a long time for this. You kept telling me, why do you want this guy? Why do you want this guy? No, I didn't. I, I, I love this guy. He's... This is my, my most mouth. favorite television. He's like my hero, right? Like. Wow. You know how they say not all superheroes wear capes? This is a perfect example of that. He wears a hamburger bun as a hat. How do you hate this? You I, you can't. Sam so, cooking let guy. Me, let's say Sam the cooking guy. Can you believe this? We have Sam the cooking. No, I'm going to back for just a minute. Hi, everybody. I'm Jennifer English. I'm the editor-at-large of Food and Bird Magazine. Our publisher, Michael Pulitz, is here today with us. And I'm thrilled that he is because when we started doing these just before the start of the pandemic as a way of helping the kids in the industry stay connected, we really began to make a wish list, a a dream list, a bucket list of conversations we were hoping to have. Literally since the day we started, Sam Zine, Sam the cooking guy, has been on our list. Now, I've been doing radio shows about food for 20 years, and in a previous lifetime, I was very fortunate to have Sam on with me several times. He's a fantastic human being. He's a genuine mensch. He's a wonderful cook. He's a really fantastic inspiration to so many people who thought, well, I can't cook. He makes it look easy because he finds a way to help you find your way into the kitchen, into cooking. And with all his books, including some of his latest books, where he literally talks about things we love to eat, like burgers and tacos and sandwiches, he wears on the cover of his book, Michael, have you seen this? 
She Jennifer. has this picture Jennifer, of his Jennifer. head on a bun. I love it. I'm going to bring, listen, I'm bringing Sam on. All I'm saying is this. We have had the greatest chefs in the world on. We have had the biggest rock stars in the world on, the greatest actors. I mean, we have had everybody. But this, Jennifer, this is it for me. What do they call that? This is my triumph. You know what I'm saying? Like this, ladies and gentlemen, is freaking Sam the cooking guy. Here you know what? Is. Listen, uh, I, I want to wake up to both of your words every morning. I would spring out of bed. I would I would attack and seize the day. You couldn't have said nicer things about me. God, what a pair. You guys, I love you both. What a pair. Sam. I say that all the time, Sam. You know, I live in Vegas, so often I say <laughs> what a pair. And I'm, I'm not talking about the fruit either. Go ahead, Jennifer. I love that we're three of a kind. We're three people that love food, and we're three mm. people who love to share what we love about food. Um and in, in Las Vegas, where Michael is based, that three of a kind will beat a pair any day. Sam, what a thrill it is to you have know, you Thank here. you. And uh, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I'm, I, uh, people will come up in a store and they'll say nice things. Then they'll ask me a, a question, a food question. And uh, they'll go, you probably don't want to talk about this. I go, it's what I do. And by the way, I love what I do. Yeah. Whenever I'm in a group, uh, if I go to talk about... Uh, how I went from biotech to cooking, how it worked out for me, you know, whatever the, the topic is. At some point, it ends up in a like a real food conversation. Uh, you know, uh, people sharing tips, me sharing tips, asking questions. I love to talk food. I could do it all day long. I really could. Do you put butter on your grilled cheese or do you put mayo on your grilled cheese or do you like to do this or have you tried that? I think it's great. And, and you, you hit the nail kind of on the head. My goal in the beginning was to literally was to get people to cook. It really was. And it was based on a, a chef on a local morning news show here in San Diego. And it was, it was a September. He was making a butternut squash soup and it was the most complicated butternut squash soup, soup you've ever seen. And I didn't really cook very much in those days. But as I watched this, I thought, you know, look, I get that he's trying to get people into his restaurant. He's trying to make something look good. So they go, oh, shit, that looks delicious. Honey, come on, let's go there tonight for dinner. That was his job. So I guess he did that well. But I thought, what if instead of just trying to get seats in a restaurant, what if, what if he tried to encourage people to, to cook? Don't use complicated ingredients. Don't use that fancy chef terminology. He he used creme fraiche. Like we all know what it is, but I bet you I could walk down the street and ask a hundred people what creme fraiche is, and seventy five would never have heard of it before. What this guy should have said: Yes, I'm using creme fraiche in this, but if you don't have it, you don't know what it is. It's fine. Probably nobody does. Sour cream will get you to the same spot. He should have been more encouraging. You should have been trying to get people to cook. Anyway, uh, so that that's that started me. One of the things that I love, and, and you and I have had a, a nice long history of having these conversations, and in so doing, um, we've evolved mm. alongside this industry in ways. Uh, Michael was, was a pioneer in a lot of this, but Sam, you were actually a pioneer in something I really want to start our conversation off with. You really were there pioneering the new food TV show. This is literally just about 
the dawn of the internet. So we really weren't watching programs on yeah. YouTube quite yet. There was no yeah. Netflix then. Yeah. Uh, you took a very direct approach and a humble approach to inspiring people as you were being inspired. And you just said, here I am. I'm not going to try and be him. I'm not going to try and be her. I'm not going to try and be anyone other than I am. I love this. And I want to share this with you. Look what I figured out. And you shared what you were figuring out about food in the most charming, inviting, and inspiring way. Can you talk about that mm -hmm. moment when you pressed the go light yeah. to start this part of your career? Because it isn't where you started in your whole career. So no, uh, you know, you did, you know, what's interesting is, um, when I started, I was trying to think in my head who I was going to be like, what television cooking personality was I going to be like, um, I, I, before I shot anything, before I ever shot my demo, I went looking for a big fancy kitchen. And I used to sell real estate. So I went to all my old real estate friends and said, do you have any clients with a spectacular kitchen? And we looked at all kinds of great places in, in Rancho Santa Fe here in, in the county and in La Jolla, the really beautiful things. And it was too big. It was too small. It was, it was whatever it was. I was about two weeks away from shooting my demo. And I'm sitting in my, my own kitchen one day and writing notes about what I needed to do. And I looked up for a thought. For a second, I was thinking, you know, you just kind of randomly look up. And I looked into my kitchen. I went, what the, what the hell am I doing? Why am I trying to find some big ass fancy kitchen? That's not who I am. This is my kitchen. I will use this kitchen. So that was the beginning of it. But even then when I shot that demo, I had all my stuff prepared in front of me like many of the shows did. And I didn't have any life to me. If I showed you my demo, I should send it to you. It, it, I was so boring and stayed and I didn't smile or react for maybe the, it's only like 90 seconds, but certainly 30, 45 seconds of it is not a smile. In fact, I, I spent the first 15 seconds with, mo with one hand in my pocket. It was just the weirdest thing. And it what wasn't, did you make? say what? What did you make? I made this um, this salmon dish that my wife always made. Kelly did all the cooking in those days. When I told her I was going to start a cooking show, she goes, oh, sweetheart, that's just a great idea. Just one thing. I go, what? <laughs> she goes, you can't effing cook. I go, but you see, this is the genius of my idea. I will make things so simple that people even watching, I <laughs> even I, I'll be my own weakest link. Even I can make people watching won't, will will be, will we'll think that looks delicious, but it also looks like I can make that. Honey, let's try that tonight. Okay, That's so what Stan, I wanted hang to on do. One second, I just want to yeah. recap this. Go. So you're you're not working in food. You're not a no. chef. You're not a professionally trained chef. You don't do the cooking at home. No. And yet you're like, I think I want to do a cooking show. Tell me about what happened in you. Yeah. Well, this part of you, because I think these kinds of things live in us, and they just bloom when it's time for them to bloom, like a night blooming cirrus. Like it's yes, just, no, I get you. I get you. Um. I actually was a biotech guy. I was the director of operations for a biotech company in San Diego. And I hated it. And when, when I say hated, I mean, I would drive to work. What you see when you watch me on TV or on YouTube, this is me. I'm happy almost all the time. Very little worries me. 
Very little pisses me off. But in those biotech days, I would wake up happy. I'd go to sleep happy. I'd hang out with my friends and my family happy. But I'd wake up in the morning happy. I'd start driving to work. In my mood, I'd be driving north on the freeway. My mood would be going south. I'd pull into the parking lot of the biotech company. And I literally said this every single day the last year that I was there. Not this effing place again. And that's not a good way to go to work. Yeah. Look, we all have to work. We all find ourselves at times in in in, in occupational situations or jobs that we do because they happen to us and we can't back out of them. We have to continue to make money and you just can't take a flyer and a leap of faith. But I was so miserable. I said, I've got to find something to do. And I had the idea of starting a travel show. So I quit the biotech company and actually started a travel show. And at, the easiest way to describe it is kind of the opposite of the lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> it wasn't the lifestyles of the downtrodden and destitute and, you know, but it was how to go to Hong Kong or Tokyo and not spend a jillion dollars, but still have an amazing time because you should see the world. It's a fantastic place. And don't stay away because you don't know how to speak the language or read it or whatever. I'd gone with my brother-in-law to Tokyo for a week. He went for business. I went for my 40th birthday present to myself. And I came home and that was my inspiration. I wanted to get back to Tokyo and I didn't know how to do it. And I thought I might, what if I started a travel show? Forget the fact that I had no television experience and had barely traveled, Jennifer, or hardly been anywhere. But I thought I could do this. And my wife was 100% behind me, not because she thought I would be successful in the travel show biz, but because she knew how miserable I was at my work. And she knew how important it was that you should be happy if you can in what you do. So she encouraged me to quit, not thinking that the travel show would work, thinking the travel show would not work, but then I would be out of my safety lifeboat of the biotech world and I'd be forced to find something. But before I got a chance to do anything travel-wise, 9-11 happened. So now, now I, there I am. I've quit my biotech job. I can't do this travel thing. It's the week following 9-11. I'm sitting at home watching TV, and on comes that chef making the most complicated butternut squash soup on the planet. And I go, God, somebody should do that, but better and easier. And the light bulb hit. My wife came home, and I said, I'm going to cook instead of travel. I love that story. Yeah, yeah. I love and that. so I, I do what I do now because I wanted to be happy. It's literally that simple. You've been doing this for two decades. Yeah. And in the process. This month, my 20th yeah. anniversary. Phenomenal and, and mazel tov and congratulations and thank you. I mean, I don't, where do you start? It's been thrilling yeah. watching somebody. You're such a doll. Michael, why did you say all those terrible things about her? She's a dream. <laughs> and you're muted, by the way. <laughs> she was lucky. Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer, you just said, where did you start? He started a butternut squash soup. He just told you that, no, Jennifer. She No, that's not what she meant. She I meant know, there's so Sam. many things to talk. Oh, I see. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, you two. Sam. You two should be married. Miller. This is my favorite celebrity of all you time. Know, He's my A-lister. I know. You two should and, be and married. And by the way, Sam, Michael knows everybody. Yeah. And and I have never seen him with the spilk speak like this. I love it. He called, I love he it. called me half an hour before the show. He's like, Are you on yet? Are you on yet? I'm so <laughs> I told him I'm gonna come to Vegas. He can take me to all those we can go have a little uh 
what's it called a uh a uh when you have a party and you go to different people's homes for different courses, what was that called back in the day? Oh, a progressive dinner? Progressive dinner party oh. in Vegas. For all the places I can't get into, Michael can help me get in. We'll have one bite at each place. I just went to a fantastic new restaurant opening the other night. Well. And it, and it was called the Crossroads Kitchen. Mm. From And they're on Melrose and it's all vegan. And all of my vegan friends were there. I reconnected with my friend Tony Canal from In De No Doubt. Remember that group, No Doubt, Jennifer? Yes. And then, of course, Sam, I was not going to tell you this, but I was having actual dinner with Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath. That's all. Oh, wow. I'm just saying. Wow. Black and he Sabbath. said to me, I watch Sam the Cooking Guy on YouTube. Everybody he watches did? Sam the Cooking Guy. That's so guy. funny. You know, we got... We got um, I, I can I can tell this now because it's all happened. But a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, my assistant calls one day and she goes, so we got this email. I want to know if you can do a private event in Los Angeles. But they don't want to tell you who it's for until you sign an NDA. I go, okay, I'll sign the NDA. So I signed the NDA. We're trying to guess who it was. We couldn't have guessed that it was the uh, Jordanian royal family. Wow. The king... And Queen and the royal family from. So we end up, to make a long story short, four days later, I end up going with two assistants to LA to do this private thing. And we're in this just amazing butler's pantry that really wasn't a butler's pantry. It was more like a, a, a one of the best kitchens I've ever been in, just the second one. And I say to the house manager, so like, how much do they want to see? I mean, I'm going to make this, but should I bring it out made or they want to be part of it? She goes, I'll have somebody come talk to you. And a couple minutes later, one of the queen, the one of the king and queen's daughters comes and introduces herself. And I introduce myself and she goes, we all know who you are. I go, so I, I'm curious. I mean, like uh, the food was, was literally things that we've made on YouTube, the exact names. And it was all very like, I want to say like teenage boy stuff, though there's a lot of that in what we make. And I said, so there's a crown prince who's uh, 25 or six or something. And it seemed like he picked the food. And I said, who picked the food? And she goes, well, we all did. I go, well, who watches? She goes, we all watch. She goes, like with a question mark at the end of the, of the statements, like, how do you not, you don't know, we all watch you. She goes, we get a, we get a text from my father, my father. She called the King okay. Jordan once or twice a week saying, here's what Sam made. We're making it this weekend. We have to try this. It was it was just a, an incredible day, so fun. Where I was, the king was. When I was at the grill, he was at the grill. When I was plating, he was like my 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 sous plating chef. I'd put things on the plate. He'd hand them to the family and guests. It was incredible. But so when when I hear Black Sabbath, this kind of stuff, I mean, I'm just so honored i cannot believe it sam talk th th this is not about name dropping this is about yeah. joy dropping no i'm gonna drop mm -hmm. sam's name no no no, no. Hang on. <laughs> no michael hang on i want to talk right. about the joy that i just heard sam talk about he shared with the most exalted member of their jordanian royal family because james beard the father of american gastronomy said food unites us it does As human beings we 100%. are united Talk about the joy of that experience that you shared 
you, you know, and it's how important because to me, the 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 core of everything you've ever done yeah. had a, a a seed of joy that has only grown and bloomed over the two decades you've done this. So listen, I say to people uh, all the time, I don't have grand, I don't have grandparents anymore. Sorry to say, and uh, mo both my parents are gone. But I say, look, if you have a grand, generally a grandmother, that's a great cook. You got to get out the video camera and you got to get her making some of the recipes. And they always go like this. Oh, no, you know, we're doing a book. We're writing it all down. I go, I'm going to tell you something. There's a difference between the written word and what she will say to you as she's cooking that just spontaneously will come out of grandma. You know, uh, so you take the flour and you mix it in with this. And I like to do this little trick with my fingers when I rub out the, the canola. Wait, you know, my whatever. mother did that. Right. That kind of shit comes out. But then the other stuff that comes out is this. I used to make this for your grandfather when we were first dating. And he would come over and my parents would greet him at the door and his very formally come and eat, sit in the front room. And I'd be in the kitchen finishing with my mother and my grandfather would give him a stern look. And then, I mean, this is the stuff. This this is the the knockest that I get to use an old uh, Jewish uh, grandmother, grandparent word. This is the joy that I get is is that stuff, those moments. So that day, standing at the grill with the, the king of Jordan, of course the conversation was about food. I'm doing a steak, and here's how I like to do it. I was, I'm cooking a couple huge, big, fat, beautiful, gorgeous prime ribeyes because I was going to make this garlic bread steak sandwich that we did on YouTube that oh, wow. he wanted me to make. It's great. That's actually in, It's actually in here. Sam, the cooking guy between the buns. There's that picture. There's by the way, picture, by the way, not Photoshopped. <laughs> I didn't take the picture like this and that shit was added. I laid down my head on that bun. It was very awkward for like 20 Can minutes. I tell you, there's also something very, um, that's a nod to modernist cuisine. There's something about that picture that looks like Nathan Marvel's modernist cuisine compositional photographs. I loved everything, how smart you are, how smart yeah. you've always been. You make things smart and fun and interesting and joyful. Let's talk about food yeah. because that's why people love you. You have been you really um, for the two decades you've been doing this. Yeah. I look, I, I had a guy say to me once early on, just a quick point. Uh, I did a, I did a, a, a cookware store opening for a friend. I'd been Sam, the cooking guy about a year and a half, maybe, maybe two years. And she said, would you come this day? And people love you. And, the, and she had a guy from a knife company there. And the knife company guy said to me um, uh, at, the, at the end, he goes, I've been watching you now talking to you for a couple hours here this afternoon. Because you're exactly the same person off camera as you are on. I go, well, who isn't? He goes, who isn't? Because if you think that the, the, the culinary elite that are on TV are the same on and off, you're out of your mind. They are not. I go, well, I, it's a lot easier only keeping one version of me in my head. And why would I be, why would I be any different uh, on camera than off? I like me. I'm okay with me. It's easier to be me. So when I would shoot and somebody's phone would go off in the background, it was natural for me to yell at them. I'm working here. Can you turn your phone off? And we would leave that in the episode because, because that shit really happened. Because it's honest. Because it's on about, it. Yeah, yeah. Talk about, I want to get back to the cooking. 
Yeah. When did you go from just being Sam in the kitchen in yeah. uh, greater San Diego yeah. to actually becoming, because I know a lot of, of the people in the food industry that lost their restaurants, the young people in our industry, all the talent we have in this industry that is looking into the gaping maw of food 3.0 and wondering where do I fit in the future of food? There are going to be people who can be inspired by what you've done. And literally, this is a moment where we're so grateful to you for coming on and helping us show the kids in our industry what's possible. Talk a little bit about what it took to go from Sam in the kitchen to this. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't even really Sam in the kitchen. It was Kelly in the kitchen. The only cooking I did then is I grilled because I'm a guy and there's some stupid expectation that men are supposed to do that. And some of the best grilling people I know are women. And anyway, um, this is not going to be sage advice. This is stuff that people say all the time. But I can tell you, it in my case, it happened to be true. It happened to work out. I wanted to be happy. I found something that I thought would make would ultimately make me happy. And I stuck to it and I worked hard at it. You know, I think too many restaurants, too many new young restaurants have this idea of being something. And it's a brilliant idea. And it's who they are. It's the soul of what the restaurant is. And they open up and like four weeks later, it isn't exactly doing what they thought. So they start to tweak with it. Ah, oh, shit. Maybe we should, maybe we should have hamburgers. I know we said we're not doing that. We're going to do whatever kind of, maybe we, and they start changing the menu and stuff. Suddenly people don't know what the restaurant is. So know who you are, know what you want and just know that it's going to take some work, but it's worth it. I didn't go from little the Jewish Canadian Sammy Zion uh, burning food on my barbecue to Sam, the cooking guy over. It's been 20 years, 20 years. That book is number five. The first one came out in 2007. So it's been a hell of a road. We've now been on YouTube for 11 years. We hit, we'll hit three and a half million subscribers this year, but we went, we went, uh, we went eight years and had only 30,000 subscribers. And I shouldn't say only 30,000. It's a lot, but it's not three and a half million. But that changed. There was a thing. What happened? We decided in what should be an obvious move. So here's some good advice. You, you, you need to find a home on YouTube that gives people something that maybe is not necessarily there. It occurred to me about six months into being Sam the Cooking Guy that the world didn't need another Bobby Flay or Emerald Lagasse or Ming Tsai or Alton Brown. Those were already done. Didn't need more of that. They needed me to be Sam Zion or Sam the Cooking Guy as me, not me trying to be somebody else. So, wait, what question was I answering? No, I want to jump in and say this is some of the best advice oh you gotta remember we've got 14 million readers every month at food and beverage magazine this is a trade publication it's for the industry our industry the hospitality industry is a service industry we are ourselves in service this is some of the best advice we've ever 
broadcast anywhere in any platform in any issue. Michael, help me here. This is the best advice we could give if, anybody. If you look, if, if you think it's a good idea in the beginning, and look, and you look, you have to battle sometimes. When I came home, and when my family found out that I was going to quit my biotech job, quit a salary, quit benefits, quit the health, all that stuff, and try and go on television with no prior experience in travel or cooking, whatever it was going to be, they freaked out. And they tried to throw me off my course. I got a conference call from my two oldest brothers. Never happened before or since. Wow. And they said, hey, mom told us uh, what you're going to do. Uh, one question. What are you going to do when it doesn't work? Those were the exact words. What are you going to do when it doesn't work? And that could have thrown me so hard. Uh, and there's nothing special about me. Uh, I withdrew a little bit. I got very sad about that. But I know, I mean, it was a, they're coming from a place of love. Right. But still, you, sometimes you have to believe in yourself. Believe that what you have got is going to be okay. I didn't need to believe that I could be Bobby Flay. In fact, I hated Bobby Flay for the longest time because I thought he was, he seemed so arrogant on his show. Now I think he, I don't know him. But if I had to judge him now, I'd say, no, he seems like a great guy. Verified but, arrogance. Oh, but I would watch him. He had a show. He had a, he had a show. He had a show that I think it was like, he was on location. It was grilling, grilling and chilling. Maybe that might've been it. Is that his show? Yeah. Okay. I felt like you could see a thought bubble above his head that would say, I'm going to F and murder whoever decided I should come shoot here with this person. This is never happening again. You could just see it dripping off him. He's like, just really confident. That, you know what? He's just really confident. He's a good friend of mine, right? Yeah. So he's he's really confident in what he does. Yeah. And, you know, see, and, I, and if you go back to the beginning, he took the leap of faith that nobody else did with Food Network. I mean, he yeah. had his locations already open. He, what was it? Mesa already open. Yeah. And he spent probably 80% of his time at the Food Network building it. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it was arrogance then, or uh, he 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 didn't like the situations that he was in. Whatever it was, he seems like a totally different person now. Okay, here's a good example. Believe in what you have. Believe in you. Martha Stewart had this idea. She went to everybody. Nobody thought doing fancy torts and cakes. And here's how you take a unbloomed rose and make it beautiful for your party. They, nobody thought that women in a the 400 square foot apartment on a four floor walk up in Minnesota in the dead of winter was going to watch this stuff. Well, guess who was wrong? Martha Stewart is successful because of one person, Martha Stewart. I read that uh, unauthorized autobiography. I'm a huge fan of hers because of that. And she has morphed herself to become just, I think, just a fantastically fun uh, a person. Well, when Jennifer, would, was, when Jennifer was a little girl, Sam, yeah. she was very, she, not she's not a little girl right now. Sorry about that, Jen. I just look like my grandmother. Sorry, no. Jenny. <laughs> when, when Jen was a little girl, she would knock on the door of Julia Childs. Well, we would see Julia Child at Savinor's and Mr. Dewar's Meat Market and Captain Martin's Fish Markets. 
but we would also, I, I actually did trick or treat at Julia's house, but that's beside the point. Michael, let's go back to what we think is really important about what Sam does, and and we want to celebrate. Okay, his well, book. was that in? Well, that was in Boston, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, she lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mm. Cambridge, and Jennifer would also trick or treat at whose house in Boston? I don't know where you're going with this. I'm just going. I can't wait. Who is it? <laughs> Who? Paul Revere. She would go <laughs> to Paul Revere's oh, house. That's true. I am a hundred. And then she would, and then after that she got to Lizzie Borden's house. Oh God! Wait, by the way, by the way, I count to Julia Child. It, it occurred to me one day. People ask who you know who who are you uh, inspired by? Yeah. And I don't know that uh, Julia Child, her her cooking didn't inspire me, but her style, yeah. her whatever happens happens style, yeah. along with Graham Care, the Galloping Gourmet, though both two of the most comfortably natural people on television i think then he went and got healthy and religion and or i don't know what now he's he's counting calories and doing things with yeah but he still gives out the greatest tidbits like split and double if you're gonna have if you're gonna have a meal you go to a restaurant you do split and double twice the vegetables and each get half the protein i love that i do split and double everywhere it's good advice sam let's talk about food Mm mm-hmm and let's talk about your philosophy of food, your philosophy of hospitality and entertaining, yeah. your yeah. your philosophy of service. Um, you are a food professional, um, but no one comes to your place and gives you $5 for a cheeseburger transactionally. It's bigger than that. Talk about your life as one of the most impactful, inspiring food wow. professionals we have in our industry. What do you think about today about food? And as we come out of COVID, yeah, especially as we're heading forward into food 3.0 in the future of food, can you talk about your food philosophy and where we're going? My food philosophy, uh, Jen, has always been the same. You should be able to cook for yourself at home. It's funny. We, we, as I have three children. As parents, our job is to take the little kids and grow them up so they become useful, productive hopefully nice parts of society, right? Make them independent. Well, you teach them how to do a bank account and drive and shit like that. I don't think enough of them are learning how to cook. I want people to cook. You know, in the beginning, I I used to think that some chefs in San Diego didn't like me because I was taking people out of their restaurants by by teaching people how to cook. I think I might be, be making them better consumers when they do go to the restaurants, but you have to be able to cook at home. It's such an important part of who we are and what we do. And you talked about that. It's such a, it brings people together. Like Jews celebrate you. You're born, there's food. You die, there's food. You, you get the parts of your body cut off. There's food. It's a, it's food is everything. I feel bad for the, the waspy Christians because I think they don't have great celebratory food. I'm sure it cannot be as good as ours. It cannot be as good as the Chinese. Jews and Chinese are like this, and not just because we're, they're restaurants on Christmas Eve, because they food is literally at the center of those big round tables, and everybody enjoys it. When people come to my restaurants, they are coming, and tra- transactionally, as you put it, they get uh, hand over some money, and they get a burger, they get a, a Korean short rib taco, whatever they get. But it's more than that. It's 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 hard to do. Our restaurant, uh, the our burger place and our taco place, hamburgers and not not tacos, are in a food hall. So that relationship with the guest is a little more distant. It's cash. 
and it's a thing that gets passed over on the other side. A across the piazza, we have a restaurant called Gray's. And it's sit, it's sit down, but it's it's casual. It's shareable food. It's grazing. It's my favorite way to eat. If you got, if you and Michael came over for dinner, and, and one day I would love that. Uh, you wouldn't sit down at the table and have a you know a fillet and mashed potatoes and some vegetables. That wouldn't happen. We probably wouldn't sit down at the table. We'd be in the kitchen. We'd be sitting. We'd be standing. We'd be inside. We'd be outside. But there'd be a little bit of a lot of things. Six or seven different things what we would have. And you'd be pressed into service at doing the shrimp skewers. And Michael would be making cocktails. It's that kind of thing. It's shareable. It's fine. We try and teach our servers at Gray's where they can make more of an impact. Look, you don't know what somebody's day has been like. You don't know what's happened. You don't know what's gone on. But we can be a little moment of, of fun, entertainment, and enjoyment for them. I don't want you to, a guest come in and you walk over. You guys, you guys know what you want. I don't do that. Have some personality. If they're sitting uh, at two people at a table for four and you want to pull up a chair, you're not going to be, hello, I'm Nathan today. I'll be your server today. But just be, sit on the arm of a chair. You know, be more fun, be more casual with them, that kind of thing. Uh-oh. That sounds great. Do you still see me? Something just yes. happened. No. I just lost the whole screen. Hold on. No, you're, you're, you're perfect. I got you. Don't worry about it. Can you okay. hear me? There we go. I got you. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. It sounds good. So it's it's that kind of thing that's that's super important to us. And Let people, go. yeah, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you, but I don't want to run out of time either. You're being yeah. very, very generous with oh, your thank time you. today. I thank know you, Michael you, is as thrilled as I am to have you here with us. Let's go back to cooking at home. Yeah. Why is it so important to cook at home? Why, when you started, was it so important to get that message to inspire people to cook at home? Look, there's the simple things. It's less expensive. Uh, you can have, uh, as many cocktails of, as you want. You don't have to worry about taking an Uber, leaving your car someplace or God forbid driving stupid, like an idiot. And you've had a couple cocktails because that's the worst thing you can do. Then there's the health benefits. I guarantee you the burger you make at home will be more honest, be more natural, uh, be more, uh, healthy than one that you're going to get out. I'm not saying my burgers, but we understand how chefs and fancy restaurants use butter and tons of salt and all these things. And the fat means flavor. And yes, but your food will be innocent, more honest at home. But also it's something that you need to know how to do. Why be at the mercy of fast food or, or frozen food or restaurants? One of the things you said earlier was go into the kitchens if you're lucky enough to still have your parents or members of your family right. that hold the family legacy That's right. of food preparation. One of the most important things we could talk about is the secret ingredient that makes all food made at home taste and be even more nutritious <coughs> is, sorry, Banksy's gone crazy here, uh, is the love and the intention that you put into your food. Can you talk about that? Yeah, of course. Um, there is something happens. My grand, I would see this with my grandmother. Uh, my dad and I, my, my parents had a place. We're from Vancouver, Canada. You know that. My, uh, my parents had a place in Palm Springs and they would go down at the beginning of the season. My mom would stay. My dad would come back and forth for business. When my mom was down there, my dad and I would go to his mother's place for dinner. We'd eat in the kitchen. She'd set the table for two. She never sat with us. She just stood against the, the kitchen doorway wall like this, waiting for me to finish something to, to refill the milk 
before I finish the roast beef, put more, more roast beef. And, and it, whenever I had seconds, because I had to have seconds, it would break the woman's heart. Uh, she would bring it to me on a plate that had been warming in her oven. Warm food should go on a cold plate, she believed. And she's right, actually. My dad would finish. She'd say, Brucey, do you want some more? He'd go, yeah. He'd go, Ma, I don't want you to dirty another plate. He felt like she was doing extra work. I go, what you're missing here, dad, is this gives her such joy. It give it is everything to her that you we come, that we love the food, that we go crazy for it, that we eat more. When I'm cooking for people, I mean, yeah, for me too. But when I'm cooking for people, I'm putting all my heart and my soul in it. It's for them. I say this Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries. You can always take money out of your pocket and go take somebody out for dinner. But when you stand in a kitchen and make them even a humble grilled cheese with tomato soup, that means so much more. And when I do that, I'm putting all I've got into this because I want Jennifer to be happy when she sits down on the table and has a bite. I want that first bite to go in her mouth and she looks at me and her eyes get wide and she starts to smile. That's what I want to see. And you can do that. People come up and they go, I can't cook. And I go, no, here's what I think. I bet it's that you don't cook. I go, can you ride a bike? And they always say, of course. I go, well, guess what? I can guarantee you there was a time in your life when you couldn't ride a bike. And the difference between that day and this day is practice. You say you can't cook. You go to make a pineapple upside down cake. Maybe it's burnt. So now you know the second time, less time in the oven. Maybe it's too sweet. Cut back on the sugar. The things you learn, but practice. You practice at riding a bike. There is no cooking gene unless you're, you know, I don't know, Thomas Keller or Bobby Flay or something. I don't have any magical powers, but I've been doing this for 20 years. It's a 10,000 hours thing. Sam, do you know the gift that you've given us all? Mm. God, no. You have made us believe we can cook. So that's it. That's all I ever wanted. That day with that chef making that the butternut squash soup. So why can't he make it easy enough that people are encouraged to make that? If I get a chance to do it, that's how I'm going to do it. And turns out my my dumb, silly, Vancouver, Jewish-Canadian boy style, it works for many people. I know it doesn't work for everybody. I get enough hate you know, comments on YouTube. But still, we're doing something right. There's enough people watching. And, and I know what people say when they come up. So I can't hear anything better than I now cook because of you. It's everything for me. Everything. You gave people permission mm. to cook. But that's not enough. You made them believe that they could. I think I also gave permission to screw up by showing that we've done that. You know, I cut myself once, twice, a hundred times, and we've left it in. I mean, no blood, but we don't cut that out. I heard Rachel Ray once in the beginning cut herself in, you know, a 40-minute meal, whatever that show was, right? They stopped the tape. They fixed the finger so it didn't look like it had been cut. And then they backed up a little bit and carried on. Like it hadn't been cut, but it had. So stupid me, I cut myself once and I'm like, I drop something, I break something, I drop ribs on the ground. I'll just leave it in. It happened. Why hide it? Honest matters mm. more than you know. Doesn't it? That and Doesn't it just? Like I say, that's the difference between New York and Los Angeles. I was in no 100%. You may not like the way somebody talks to you in New York, 
but it's going to be real. You probably like the way somebody talks to you in Los Angeles, but there's something behind it. They're probably being nice because they're just doing what they need to do to get what they want. There's a little bit of that. And there were a lot of that in that city, you know? So, so I grew up in Boston. We were talking about that earlier, but, but I make my home in North Vancouver and lower Lonsdale. It is the most delicious place on the planet. So green. I love Vancouver. I have friends that still, they're beautiful friends. They still won't take me to their secret mushroom place. They'll take me to the periphery of the mushroom place. There's, there's so many things to love about Vancouver and the food world of Vancouver. How about the berries? The berries out in the wild. My sister-in-law sister used to live uh, like a five-minute drive from uh, Grouse, the yeah. parking lot. Her backyard, the salmon berries. Oh my God. By the way, I'm going to be there in August. You going to be around? I'm going to be there. Okay. We got to do some kind of extravaganza. I got to, I got to tell you, let's, before we, we let you go, let's talk about your restaurants. Let's talk about Sandburgers because now go we ahead, know man. you are the real deal. Mm. You make food that matters. And not only do you make burgers and you imbue them and infuse them with all the intention and love and authenticity that you do with everything that you do. Um, but there's that, that sort of Samness about them. That's why they're called Sam burgers. Talk a little bit sure. about burgers and, and the sort of cooking guy food that you're bringing to life for people. We do the, the line I've used since the very beginning is a big in taste and small in effort. And, and while that's generally my food on YouTube and in the books and stuff, it has to be a little bit more complicated at the restaurant. You don't want the most simple of things. But we do definitely try to have fun with what we do. We try to bring uh, bring big flavors. We are are. I'll, I'll tell you this: if you if you take anything away from this conversation, take this away. Use a blend, ladies and gentlemen, in your uh, ground beef for a burger. We use ground uh, like chuck, ground brisket, and ground short rib. And when that uh, patty goes on the flat top, and we flatten it with a big spatula. And it starts to sizzle and cook and the smell comes up. It's almost life-changing. I talk about the grind and how important it is in the hamburger section and in between the buns. But that's the kind of thing that you, you can upgrade your burger game with one simple change. Just find some ground brisket and put it with your ground beef. And you know who's going to love doing that for you? The butcher. Who? The butcher's going to, you are going to become a hero to the butcher because you're going to let them show off. She's going to get excited and say, oh, this guy knows what he's doing or she knows what she's doing. You do that enough times. They're going to start selling their own their own do brand in the store. In the grocery store, will they do that or do you have to go to a special store? No, cer cer certain ones will. Certain ones will. Um, but, you know, if you ask enough, they're going to have to start doing that kind of thing. And they should. They should be offering a, a, a blend. Look, you could at the very at the most rudimentary version of this, you could take some uh, a piece of brisket, you know, and try and keep a decent amount of fat on it. Get it really cold in in your freezer for a half an hour, forty five minutes, and then cut it into chunks like this and pulse it a few times in your processor. It's certainly not ideal. You could also do it by hand, but but that but pulsed brisket mixed fifty fifty with regular ground beef is going to be about 2,000 times better than just the regular ground beef that you would have. And it's will like you notice... Jennifer will, on a date to a restaurant instead of just taking a regular girl. 
It's 2,000 times better to be with Jennifer. She, <laughs> true, it Jen? is true, actually. <laughs> so, we, look, we, we, like, we like our stuff playful. Okay, if I can find the picture. The, Sam, uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to yeah. tempt you with something. Let's take that brisket and let's get a beautiful smoked brisket out of the smoker and trim it after it's been smoked. Take all that trim and add it to the ground beef mixture. 100%. So that you're getting that smoky fat and trim in the burger. So the burger almost has this voluptuous, smoky sense. So that when you put the cheese on it, you're biting it. Like, how can this be? You didn't smoke the burger. You just put a little smoke trim in the burger. Sensational. Sam likes to put smoked paprika in to make a little smoke flavor. I, I do. I tell people all the time. I love smoked paprika. If you're only going to have one paprika, make it smoked. Such an Don't. Eastern European Jew, isn't it? Such, yeah. but it really is. It well, that one, that one little change, that one little change. I say to people, do this. Here's the kind of conversation. See, I said in the beginning, whatever I am degrades into a food conversation. This is the the way that it goes. And the other thing that I tell people is, go to an Asian market or the Asian aisle, get a couple condiments. Get some sambal, the chili sauce. Get sriracha if you don't have it, which pretty much everybody does these days, especially if you've been around food at all. Or if you're a Bobby Flay fan, gochujang. He puts it in there. Gochujang. Uh, we are Korean short rib. Uh, taco has gochujang in it. Brilliant. For those who don't know, it's just a Korean red pepper paste. It's thick. It's fantastic. Buy some hoisin sauce. Three or four condiments from other people, nationality, kitchens will jazz up what you're doing. There's a hoi, a burger with this thick hoisin and there's ginger and garlic in it. In the, it's just, come on, bust out. Don't make the same shit all the time. That's the biggest mistake people make. It's Wednesday, so that must mean it's, it's time for Aunt Ruth's chicken. Well, I'm sure Aunt Ruth was lovely and she's happy knowing that you make her chicken a lot, but every freaking Tuesday of the year, don't. Get you away know, from that. These guys now, Sam, are making, like, look at Roy Choi, right? My yeah. friend Roy. Roy makes these tacos with Korean bar, his own sauce now that he's had Ken's manufacture for him. Yeah. Which is going to, you know, it's all that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very sweet and delicious. But he's making like bar Korean barbecue tacos. People are losing their minds over it. And you could make it at home. No, no offense to Roy, but you could make something like it at home. We put, so a, a lot of the recipes in here are things that we actually make at not, not tacos and Sandburgers, the Korean short rib taco, the number one selling taco since the day we opened in 2018, it's never been dethroned is in the book. And friends of mine have said, dude, go what? They go, the Korean short rib. I go, yeah. They, you put the recipe in the book. I go, Yeah. They go, well, why would somebody come buy it now? If they know how to make it, I go, you're an idiot. Have you ever gotten a grilled cheese at a restaurant? They go, yes. I go, can you make a grilled cheese? They go, yes. I go, see, there's a lot of reasons why people get things at a restaurant or even go to a restaurant. It's ambiances. I don't want to cook it. I make it, but maybe not that well. The Kelly shrimp taco, a couple other things have been on in my books, on YouTube, on my website forever. Yeah. It's still Kelly shrimp taco. One of the best-selling tacos at Not Not. But Sam, and it's you know easy what? to make. You know what? You know what the answer is? Yeah. Here's what I believe the answer is. The classic American songbook exists. Everybody has the sheet music. No yeah. two people sing Cole Porter the same. No two people sing the classic American songbook the same. I might like Michael Bublé's version. I might not like Rod Stewart's version. Yeah. I might like Ella Fitzgerald's version. 
whatever it is, these are the tunes I love. And some people just play those tunes in a way that makes my heart happy. Yeah. Some it's fun, people Jennifer. just play you, you know, the chords of flavors and foods. And I just love, and I might go to five different places for burgers, but I come to your place for that because nobody, even me, can make it taste the way you make it because your hand, the way you play the music of the mm. food that you that's make. A, that's an interesting really point. You know, I think it's the, it's the, I've been to many restaurants before and, and, uh, I've had something and thought that's really good. I wonder, and you, you write them and you go, can you tell me what that was or how you make that? It's the, it's the, the good restaurants. And I don't mean fancy, but it's the good restaurants that are, are secure in what they do that are happy to share a recipe, tell you how something was made. It's the insecure ones that'll be like, no, we're never telling anybody how we do that. I don't give a shit. Go, nobody's going to go start up their own not not tacos from stuff that's in the book. And if they do, right. you know, whatever, good luck that, to them. Dude, that happens to me every day, you know, because I'm from Maryland, right? So yeah. in Maryland, there's a special white pizza that this one place makes. And there's other salad place that makes a, they call it a California salad. It's got yeah. literally Asian dressing, whatever, whatever. And I've asked both of those places, I'm out here. What's the recipe so I can make it? Yeah. What do you think of an open restaurant? Yeah. No, no, no. But Sam, the first thing you and I talked about when we were talking the other day was, what do I put in my in my recipes, right? Like we were talking about the brisket and I was talking about the, the cabbage soup. And you know, Jennifer, I'm not going to brag, but I did blow his mind with my little extra cabbage soup ingredient of ginger snaps, shall we say, Sam? <laughs> you still don't get it, but need to try it. Right. Let's show the book one more time, Sam. Thank you. It's, uh, it's really a wonderful guide for this moment in time. We're emerging from the pandemic and we miss certain things and some of our favorite places have closed. I would argue that Sam the Cooking Guy, Between the Buns, not tacos, tacos, burgers, Sam burgers, not Sam burgers. <laughs> Please take a look. Thank and you. If you have lost one of your favorite places, now more than ever is the best time to start cooking. If you haven't felt inspired before, there is an entire array of shows that Sam has done just for you. Mm. To there's a lot you. of good. There's a lot of good stuff. I look. If you don't cook, find one easy thing that you can make yeah. to try your hand at because you need a little confidence. Little confidence. We're there now. You move on to the next thing. Find something. There's a. There's a. Uh, there's a. Uh, a um, grilled peanut butter and jelly in the book. You make a peanut butter and jelly like normal, but then you butter it and you cook it like a grilled cheese. Can you dip it in tomato sauce? Now you've got no, you don't. Now you've got it's peanut butter and jelly. No, I go. I know. I'm you make it like you make it like a grilled cheese. No, now you've got the you got the peanut butter and jelly that's all warm and gooey and starting to melt on the inside. You have that beautiful texture on the outside, but then just before you eat it, you whip open the the top and you cram some uh, salty potato chips in there and, and cram it shut. Now you've got the, you've got the salty chips. You've got the sweet the of the crunch. peanut butter and the jelly. You've got extra crunch. It's just delicious that anybody can make. So make that get a little confidence, work your way up to something else. That That's is it. the second piece of essential advice we've gotten today from Sam. Let's Please, have him back, remember, Jennifer. Let's, let's have him back, Jennifer. Let's have him back, Jennifer. Let's, let's recap. Have him back. Let's recap. I, I think Sam and his book should be on the cover of the magazine. 
That's what I think. It but I want to talk. I want to talk about the fact he has said to us, be authentic in whatever you're doing. And anybody in food right now has got to become a content producer. It's yeah. inevitable. We yeah. are now transacting life on every platform yeah. everywhere, including the dining room table, including the kitchen, including StreamYard, including my phone. We're going to be everywhere. So you've got to remember, you're going to become that person. When you do, please be authentic. Just be, be authentic. Yourself. Don't need to, don't thing, need to be somebody else. Just be you. The second thing that's really important that you've given us have one signature item. I've been talking about this for 20 years. I, I, I have a couple that my granny and my Nana taught me. If somebody ever meets you and they go, tell me about your food. Don't you want to say, well, what's your signature recipe? Mm. Shouldn't you have one thing that you make that your wife or your husband fell in love with you cooking? that you made for your kid that they ask for. Nora Ephron wrote about how her kids only wanted Pepperidge Farm stuffing because that's what they grew up with. Whatever you make for somebody that you love is going to become food that they love. What was that? Gordon Ramsay's show, Kitchen Nightmares, which I, I the British version is a, a billion times better. It was right. much more honest and real, I think. The Americanized version, you could hear, you could almost hear the producers going, get angry or, you know, whatever. But when he would take, when he would go to a little pub in uh, outside of Brighton and, and trying to help them, he'd say, you have to have one thing that you'll be known for that people will come for. Make everything else still really good, but you want, they've got the best chips on the street or they got the best uh, uh, bacon sandwich, whatever it is. Do that one thing really, really well. Be known for that. That's exactly so that, what you're saying. That sometimes, Sam, is why people open restaurants, right? They have, and that's written in my book, Sam. I don't like to push my book too much, <laughs> but it's since it's a bush book, book pushing day, Jennifer. Guide to restaurant success. If you have that special recipe, go and do it. Buy the book, open your restaurant. But that being said, one recipe does not a restaurant make. And that's the problem that most people don't understand. No, you're right. right? Exactly and by the happened. way, it can also be Nana's meatballs may not be that good. <laughs> And you wonder so why nobody's coming in buying a spaghetti. That's so funny. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Oh, you guys have been wonderful to me. Thank you. Thanks for all this time. And I got to go shoot. We're going to shoot now. I'm going to make uh, huevos rancheros for YouTube and um, these uh, garlic chili lime uh, wings on big wide skewers. Well, Sam, thanks for being with us. Jennifer, I know that you don't want him to go because two handsome Jewish guys in one room makes you crazy. Too much let's for give you. Him a, give him a big kiss send off, Jen. I want to say, Sam, let's tell everybody where they can find you on YouTube and join the legions of people who've been inspired yeah, to get you. into the kitchen and actually start Look, cooking. Uh, probably uh, uh, thecookingguy.com is a great spot to go or go to YouTube and just type in Sam the Cooking Guy and all of our nonsense will come up and it'll be, that's fine. We have an episode airing tomorrow that I shot with my three sons just like the TV show, uh, for Father's Day. It was so adorable. They cooked for me. I told them what to do, but I didn't watch. I had my back to them the whole time. So I described, and they were forced to carry out uh, my my directions. It was great. So, Sam, I, I'm going to ask you this. The future of food and Food 3.0, I think yeah. there's one concept before we wrap this up. Yeah. I wanted to run by you, and I wanted to get your take on it. And it seems like something that you've been doing. 
The future of food is going to have one common element across all platforms, whether you're cooking for yourself or you're getting your food delivered. And because 60% of the food that we're going to eat is going to come delivered, we're having a very different food life coming very soon. The one thing that we're going to have is customization, season to taste. I am doing all kinds of imagination right now about how season to taste is going to come to life because you're going to have the chance as a food person to have things exactly the way you want them in the future. Gone are the days when you drive through and you get it the way they give it to you. Now it is all about customization and season to taste. Every recipe in the world says season to taste, a little good salt, a little good pepper. Mm. How do you feel about becoming self-aware and wanting to season things to taste for yourself? I like the idea. I have a friend that uh, travels with a, a kosher salt, uh, like coarse black pepper and garlic powder. And he goes, I can fix any airline food I'm faced with, with this. The idea that you, you could do that, take your food world into your own hands, it kind of is what you're saying. Have it the way you want it. Are we happy to customize things at the restaurants for people? Yeah, to an extent, there's certain times that we, we can't because something's already, I don't want any onions. Well, it's already mixed in with the mushrooms or whatever. So that's, you're not going to be able to deal with that. But, but yeah, I think it's like we're all coming out of this thing. Life is too short to accept things just the way that they have to be sometimes. Let's try having something the way you want it. I don't think it's a terrible idea. I like the thinking. I really do. You and I started not too far apart in the timeline of our careers in food. I started in 99, you not that long after. Yeah, two You years. and I have had the chance to track in a time when we were doing things that people said, what are you doing that for? It didn't make sense. It's made us happy. And I want to salute you for being one of my, my cohorts, one of my very successful cohorts in this space. It's been thrilling to watch you rise and inspire and do everything that you've done. And I just want to tell you what a, what a thrill it's been to have you on. I know I speak for Michael and the entire food and beverage magazine media family. Um, when I say thank you for making time to be with us and keep doing what you do, come it's back anytime. So our 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 place is your place. I love You're you guys, and here. hopefully we can uh, uh, we could have uh, coffee or dim sum in Vancouver. You know. Oh in yeah, a month yeah. No, we have Definitely. to. Yeah. My uh, uh, Kanji Noodle House closed. Oh, was one of my favorite places. It happens. Uh, what's that? What's that cake that everybody gets for their birthday? Not the financier cake. There's one place that did birthday cakes. I'll think of it. Anyway, okay. we'll have birthday cake together. We'll celebrate. Thank you. Travel Thanks, safe. you guys. Well. I appreciate it. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Sam. Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Pope has written a must-read, The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, or wherever fine books are sold.